It is good. So before we get going, there's a few things I'd love to acknowledge. First of all, um, we have had many ups and downs and journeys when it comes to the coffee life here at this church. And from uh, surveys to taste tests to burning coffee to burning coffee for months. And you guys have just been faithful, uh, knowing that you're not coming for the coffee, which they praise Jesus, because it's just the church. But we've got a new coffee maker. And so first of all, I want to thank uh, James and Tanya Hansen. Hansen? Wow, you just changed your nationality, Hansen, uh, uh, who worked so diligently not only to get the coffee maker, but also uh, to plumb it in and get it ready. So thank you so much for that. And uh, also, uh, this service, we have our unit supervisors here, John and Debbie, and I just wanted to take a minute. They're just here for the first service, but I just wanted to honor the two of you. Uh, Not many of you know uh, John and Debbie, but John and Debbie Overholt uh, used to pastor in Campbell River, used to do a thing called uh, Youth Youth Fest. Uh, I've walked through seasons of revival and growth and have been an inspiration to both Katie and I, uh, this church as well. A lot of people back in the day from this church had encountered Jesus for the first time at those youth fests. So thank you. This is a part of the fruit of who you do. So I want to honor you. And thank you very much for being here. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Awesome. And you know, if you want to say I'm awesome, just tell them before they go. They're catching their ferry. Uh, that's great. So, um, Yeah. Uh, we want to get right into our sermon series here. We are continuing in 1 Corinthians, and we're talking about uh, shaped by the gospel. And it's just, you're, you're going to hear a theme throughout the year. The theme throughout all of our community groups uh, is that we want to go deeper into and, and be shaped by the gospel. So we want to be deeply rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we actually spent the last two weeks really reinforcing the message of the gospel. That first of all, when we're looking at left to right, lots of things are going on, good, bad, and chaos, and news, and ah, that we, our attention needs to be on the gospel. And then last week, we talked about what the gospel is and how that should be the unifying message of the church, regardless of style, look, or presentation, that it is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that should never change. That shouldn't be different anywhere, right? And so we, we talked about that and, and, and we're continuing in that theme in First Corinthians. And, and when you think of something being deeply rooted in something, I automatically think of trees and I think of fruit. And, and I love fruit. Uh, if you have eaten fruit around me, you'll notice I usually say nature's candy, right? I just love fruit. And, and, and there's something about eating fruit where it's from. And I got to do some, a few missions trips to Costa Rica. I used to youth pastor in the lower mainland and we brought youth teams to Costa Rica and I did it for about four years. And it's just like, I thought I was going to live there. I love Costa Rica. And, and one of the best parts is the fruit. And I don't know if you've had a pineapple that's actually ripe. Like, you know, like we've had, you know, you buy a pineapple here and they're so expensive and they're so rare that when we carve it, we're like, shh. And so you always get that little, you know, little of that black stuff in there that like, you know, cuts the inside of your mouth because, you know, hey man, this is gold, right? But like, there's so much pineapple that they, they just go, jaw, jaw, jaw. And there's like no brown and you eat it and it's juicy and it's delicious and and one, one year uh, in this area we went to, mangoes were perfectly ripe, and we're just walking with the locals, and they're just grabbing mangoes, and they're peeling it with their thumbs, and they're just, eat. oh, fruit, when it's ripe, it has this, this flavor. It's so good. And did you know cantaloupe and melon are different other than color? They actually taste different. And, and you can taste the difference when you have it from where it's actually from, when it's really ripe. And, and, and you know, we have fruit here, and, you know, it's not that bad. It's okay. It's not naturally ripened, and, and we eat it. And, be, and for some of us, we'll never really know the difference because we're never going to have that fruit. But there is a difference to fruit that's ripe, to fruit that's mature. And, and this is what kind of what we're going to be talking about, not fruit, 
but this idea in our Christian walk of a, of a faith or a Christianity that is maturing, that is, is mature. And mature means to bring to full development, right? And, and as fruit, we're designed to be, you know, mature or ripe when we eat it. We are also called to be in, in this full development. And in this room here, we have people from various walks. We have people who don't believe in Jesus yet, who aren't Christians yet, people who have been Christians for, for a really, really short period of time. We have people here who have been Christians for 30, 40, 50 years. And, and, and regardless of how many years, we can be, you know, I've been saved for 40 somewhat years and, for, no, anyways, yeah, I've been saved for a long time. But, but, you know, we can say 30 years, but sometimes we're just one-year-olds 30 times in a row, Right? We could say we're saved, but we're not mature and we're not ripe. And that's the focus here as we go into 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we're going to start with the first three verses. So brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but instead as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready, yet ready. In fact, you are still not ready, for you are still influenced by the flesh. For since there is still jealousy and dissension among you, are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people? That's pretty harsh. So, um, wow. Ow! The Bible. I, that's, that's the whole message today. Thank you for coming. And no, I'm just kidding. So, um, you're going to notice some language here. And I'm reading from a translation like my daughter influenced, uh, the, the New English Translation, NET, which is a more modern version of the NASB. So, it's a little bit more um, um, exact. So, it's, you're going to hear different phrasing. And maybe in your translation, instead of flesh, you'll see sinful nature. Uh, that's actually a particular Greek word. And the Greek word there, it just means to be mere human-like, which doesn't sound that bad, a mere human, like, I'm a human. What's it, what does it matter to be mere human-like? But the root idea or understanding of that word, uh, of flesh or sinful nature, or to be mere human-like, is that we are actually not, as Christians, mere human-like. There's this understanding that we have been made new by Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel nature, that, that, that our, our, our sinful nature, our flesh nature, that, that nature isn't our identity anymore. It isn't actually who we are. And, and even though, you know, some might look at us and say, well, you look the same. We don't have that identity. We might still have that habit, but that's not who we are. And so when the readers are reading this, and Paul is saying, the author here is saying, hey, you know, you still look like mere human. They're understanding that, that I don't look like the transformed person that I actually am. Does that kind of make sense? That is actually not my identity. My habit of sin nature is taking over who I really am. And, Paul, and the author here, Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, look, I have to keep talking to you the same way because even though that is not your nature anymore, you're still looking like that is your nature. And, and, and that's the gospel message that we've been talking about, that we are now free to fully live our new nature. That, that is the message of the gospel, that through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, we are no longer identified as mere human-like, but we are free to partner with God in walking out our new nature. And, and here we see in this particular church there, but it's not like it's unique to the time in Corinth, but, but also I would say generally, generally, you know, in church and in our own attitudes, we see things like bickering, fighting, uh, hurt feelings, offense, uh, unforgiveness, those things. And, and when we see those things kind of rearing up in our own personal lives, 
It's, it's kind of an indication that we're not quite fully mature yet. And that's what Paul is highlighting. He's saying, hey, look, you've heard the message of the gospel. You've accepted the message of the gospel. But you still taste like an unripened mango. You still taste like unmature fruit. And now we are free to actually taste differently. If you look at the last part of verse 3, are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people? That's a, that's a, I'm going to incorporate that now in my English language, unregenerate person. I'm driving. Hey! No, just kidding. But um, uh, that, that word, uh, uh, are you not influenced by the flesh, your unregenerate person means, are you not, you know, if it was written in identical, like exactly Greek is, are you not living like humanity without the Spirit's influence? Aren't you living humanity without the Spirit's influence? See, fruit is designed to actually mature on the tree or on the vine, if we're talking about grapes. If we could use an analogy from Jesus. In John 15, he says, you know, remain in me and I will remain in you. And he says that I am the, the, the vine and you are the branches. Anyone who remains in me, I will remain in you and you'll produce fruit. It, it's talking about this maturing, this, this remaining. Uh, uh, um, and if we... If we, we view scripture or if we view Christianity or if we view th- th- this faith that we walk in as, as rules to appease an angry God, the do's and don'ts to, to get into heaven because we're scared of, of punishment and we have this fear and maybe we don't, you know, we wouldn't say we believe this, but, but, but subconsciously we're walking in this faith that says do this, don't do this, uh, make sure, you know, instead of honoring God, we're just trying to make sure I don't want God to be angry so God won't do something and I, I want to make sure I get in heaven and the Bible is just it's full of these things and it's just, it robs me of, of my life and it robs me of this and all that. It, we're having the wrong view. The truth is the God who made the entirety of this world, the entirety of this universe, actually made each and every one of us and his goal and his heart and his will for each and every one of us is that we would flourish in this life and we would produce good fruit, that people be able to taste our life and see that God is good and that he actually gives us. It's not even a hidden, it's not mystery, it's not like there's these stages to this. If you just, you know, four easy payments of $49.99, then I'll show you the next book. It's not that. He lays it all out in his scripture that we walk in his principles and we walk in the boundaries of his scripture that we actually flourish, that those boundaries are created not to make sure we don't anger God, but that we walk in this fruitful, maturing, life-producing life, that heaven would be experienced by us here on earth, right? On earth as it is in heaven is the will of God, right? But if the foundation is broken and our foundation is God does these things because he's angry and we're broken and we're not good enough and all those things, then we've missed the foundation that we're called to build on. We've missed, we're plugged into the wrong branch, and our fruit looks like what we're plugged into. Is that kind of? If we look at verse 16, it says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? See, this is cool because this is the truth. This is the gospel. And this is what each and every one of us live with this reality. The minute that we believe in Jesus, this is the reality we live in. The very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead actually lives in each and every one of us. 
we have that very same spirit. And when we choose to partner with that same spirit, then we can walk in this flourishing life. That is actually our starting point. Our starting point every day, if we choose, is that we have God's spirit in us. And some of us don't believe that that's where we start from. We look at our lives and we say, Sam, you don't understand. I am broken. I am not good enough. You know, some of us in this room are, are living out broken relationships, are working out uh, uh, um, uh, um, things that just, life just isn't perfect. And you have this picture, and it's going to look like this, and all of a sudden now, you know, I, I'm divorced, or I'm single, or I, I've gone through two businesses, I'm broke, this didn't work, that my kids don't talk to me, all these things, all these brokenness things, and God says, I see you and I know, and you still start with the same position, that the same spirit that lives in Jesus Christ lives in you. Even in the midst of your addiction and your brokenness and your not perfectness, this is the truth that we start from. The question is, will we choose to partner with that? Would we choose to agree with that? Because this is the freedom that God's given us, the freedom to choose to live differently. He doesn't force growth in us. Now, through the cross of Jesus Christ, we can choose to grow where we couldn't choose to grow before. So that message that Paul's saying here, the author here, is, is are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people instead of being influenced by the Spirit of God that is in us and living like people who have been, you know, that root of that word is regenerated, made absolutely new. Isn't that beautiful picture? The key point throughout the, the whole book that we're going to come back to is this word integrity. In everything that we do, that there would be this consistency. There would be this integrity, this balance. And so with that in mind, we're going to start reading in verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than what is being laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now that's where we build everything off of. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each builder's work will be plainly seen, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by fire, and that the fire will test what kinds of work each has done. If what someone has built survives, he will receive a reward. If someone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as through fire, or in some verses, only by the skin of their teeth. And there is this, this, this picture here, I, and I really like it. There's so much to unpack in this verse, and we're not going to do it all, but there, man, there is a lot in this section of Scripture. But we can live this kind of like divided life, consciously or subconsciously. And I spend a lot of time uh, um, with, with James, who's in the back there, and he keeps using this term I like, the, 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 the secular or, or, or the sacred. That we have this divide, and, and, and here's the sacred. We're at church. We put on our church clothes. We put on our church words. We do our church things. We raise our church hands, and, and we look like church. And, and then we have that, and then we have the secular box. And we have this box where this is where I go to school. This is where I, 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 go, to, this is where I go to work. This is, you know, this is you know, me outside of, 
of church and church is here and this is where God is and, and this is my work and God is here and God doesn't go my work. I got, you know, I got to, you know, you know, do work here and we'll use phrases that sound really Christian like, like, oh, I don't want to be too heavenly minded for any earthly good. You know, I'm just practically walking out. But really what we're doing is we're, we're putting on God where, you know, it's acceptable. We're taking it off where we feel like it's not acceptable, and we're living this divided life. And here, when we look at the scripture, we're getting this, this view, this 5,000-foot view into actually what matters in life. And what we're seeing is that everywhere we go, everywhere we live, we are ministers. We are actually representatives of the kingdom of heaven, that we're displaying the kingdom of heaven in every aspect of our life. And there is no separation between the sacred and the secular. It is all one. We live in it. We are constantly representing the kingdom of God. And we minister everywhere we go, everywhere we are. We are literally the ministers of the kingdom of God in our own homes. And so if we look at our homes and we're like, man, it's just broken. I don't understand what's going on. We can change that because we are ministers of the kingdom of heaven in our homes as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as an employer, as an employee, in every aspect, as a student, as a teacher, in every atmosphere, we bring the kingdom of heaven. And we live with this reality that everything we do will be brought to life, right? And we spend so much time on the outside image. When God is looking at the image of our heart and saying the inside, the heart, that is what matters. And we're living in a time that's actually terrifying because people who have tried to hide for so many years, the light is shining and the truth is being exposed. I feel like culturally we're becoming more segmented and busy. And I feel like this is a call to integrity. Is the entirety of your life consistent in everything that you do? Right? In your words, at work. We're, we're going into a um, fun party season, right? We've got Halloween parties and Christmas parties are coming up and, and get-togethers. And is my life consistent in every friend group that I have? Or do I have my Christian friend group, my, you know, my non-Christian friend group? I have my sports uh, um, friend group. I have this friend group, right? And if you carry my personality, it's very easy for me to chameleon, right? I can be a car guy. I can, well, kind of. I can be like, you know, this guy. I can be a sports guy. I can talk about you this. I, can, I, I, you know, I just know lots of useless information. So I can carry conversation everywhere I go. But, but this is the question. Am I the filled with the Spirit? I actually house the presence of God in my life everywhere I go. Am I that guy? Am I, do I have that awareness? Am I deeply rooted in this foundation of Jesus Christ that teaches me that I no longer am the same person, but my mere human-like nature has died, and now I am raised to life again with this new nature, filled with the presence of God, so that I can actually walk out and flourish in absolutely every aspect of my life. Again, verse 16, do you not know you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? We carry the presence of God. 
That means everywhere we go, we can actually change or bring that atmosphere. That's powerful, right? And, and if we're honest, I think you will agree with me that we have these like ebbs and flows where, you know, we do church on Sunday, you know, and Austin's just killing it, right? Man, he's singing that, that voice, you know, I feel God in his presence, right? We have worship night tonight, and worship night usually marks a high, and we're like going good. And then we have like, as the week goes on, we just, ah, and then we hit Saturday, we're just making, we get back to Sunday, ah, right? And then we that, that refill and recharge, and that's not necessarily a negative. That, that's just the reality. We live in a, in a world that is so separated from God that all of a sudden we get a taste of like heaven. We're like, oh, this is so amazing. And, and then we miss it, and it changes us, and it affects us. And, and I get that, except we house the presence of God in us. And that doesn't go anywhere. That doesn't change. Does it get magnified when lots of little churches come together like this? And all of a sudden the presence, yeah, it does. But does it negate the power that's living in you alone? No, it doesn't. Remain connected. We find life when we remain connected. Now, practically speaking, this is literally an attitude of seven days a week. Christian, connected. This is the attitude that says, I will surround myself with worship. I will read my word. I will spend time and listen and stay plugged in. All that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's easy, but it's hard. Is that the right, you know? It's simple, but it's hard. Because, you know, even uh, all those of us going through emotional, healthy spirituality, we're practicing spending time in our devotions, actually listening to God. And that quiet gap is scary, right? Because what goes in in our head, the, the true feelings start coming out. Yet, we do it not because, you know, it's a nice thing to do. We do it because we want to remain connected. and We want to walk in this flourishing life. We want to walk in the freedom that God has made available to us. And so we can't turn it off and turn it on, right? We, we need to be connected. The second thing we need is we actually need community because being together pumps us up, right? And it does encourage us. It encourages us when we're walking this load and it feels really, really heavy. And yet maybe Kelly's walking a load that's way lighter. And so he can come around me and he can begin encouraging me. And now I'm, I'm not worshiping just out of my life, but I'm worshiping in the community of others, right? I'm no longer caring by myself, but now I'm caring with others. I don't no longer have to like create this atmosphere of presence because others are doing it. I get to partner with it. And so community is so important. Community is where we have life. Look, this is the truth that we are fruit, and people are eating our lives. I've included this verse. It's verse 23, because uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, but the meaning is a lot. And it says, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to you. You belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to you. Sorry, and, and Christ belongs to God. You belong to Christ. Now, I say this a lot, and we've probably heard this a lot, but like I mentioned earlier, some of us don't really believe that. We think that um, this is only reserved for a few. And I want us to, to, I want to remind us that who the, Paul, the author here, is writing to. Paul is writing to a very broken church. He's writing to people who, who don't do this Christian thing very well, who aren't great representatives of Jesus, and who are making a lot of mistakes. And he says, you belong to Christ. 
He's not just talking to Pastor Sam, who looks like he has it all together on the outside. He's talking to the individual who is walking out their divorce, and perfect is broken. He's talking to the individual who is in the midst of the throes of his battles with addiction. He's talking to the person who does not have their stuff together. He's talking to the person who is still, for lack of a better word, broken and feeling completely unworthy. And this truth applies to absolutely everyone here. You belong to Christ. You belong to Christ well before you figured out your crap. Can I say that? I said it. Beep. It's on camera. I apologize, Mom. My mom watches. That word, you belong to Christ, has this understanding that it's actually like a covenant. It actually goes both ways. Because we belong to Christ, Christ belongs to us. That's the picture. And it's this beautiful picture of partnership. Because in everything that we do, Christ partners with us. He is in your brokenness. He is in your not perfect. He's in your frustration. He's in your pain. He's in your sickness right now. He's there. Even though we might not feel or know or understand, this is the faith statement. You are his and he is yours. And this morning, um, we are all pineapples. But the question is, are we a ripe pineapple? Or are we a super... Sour. <laughs> Couldn't think of the word. Sour pineapple. We can choose to partner with the Holy Spirit and ripen. It's time to walk in integrity, church. It's time to walk in some maturing. So I'm going to invite the team to come up and I invite you guys to stand with us. And we're going to close with some worship before we get into uh, um, some ministry time. But this morning as we're worshiping, I want to encourage you to begin to search your heart You know, do you really believe that you belong to Christ? That you have been chosen? That you are loved? What is the foundation that you've been building your life on? Maybe that's the question you need to ask the Holy Spirit. Do I believe in a God who's angry or a God who's already pleased with me? Maybe third of all, you've been building this life that's separated from the truth that we are the presence and the temple of God. And we have God in this box and we have our life on this box. And this whole time we've been building this life that, you know, is probably more hay than precious metals or whatever the verse says. Wherever we find ourselves, this is a moment to begin to interact with God, to partner with the Holy Spirit and make a change and begin to make a turn. Let this morning be this pinnacle moment. This is the day that I choose to live differently.